You're listening to ReachMDXM, the channel for medical professionals. Welcome to the Clinician's Roundtable. I'm Dr. Maurice Pickard, your host, and with me today is Dr. Shelley Batra. Dr. Batra is a gynecologist and author of Intimate Self and 20 Minutes to Total Fitness. She's also president of Operation ASHA. Thank you, Dr. Batra, for joining us today. Thank you, Dr. Pickard. Could you tell me, what is Operation ASHA? Operation ASHA is a not-for-profit organization registered both in the United States and in India. And our focus is on treatment of tuberculosis patients. We aim to bring TB treatment centers to the doorstep of slum dwellers so they can get treatment at a time and place convenient to them. These are essentially known as the DOT centers. As per WHO guidelines, medicines are available for free for TB patients, but these medicines are not given for home consumption. A patient has to essentially come 50 to 60 times over a period of seven months to a DOT center and has to swallow the medicine in presence of a volunteer. So we are essentially providing the last mile of the cable. We are providing medicines to the doorsteps, and the patients are finding it very easy with our model to come and take the medicines. What is the incidence of tuberculosis in India? Well, India has the dubious distinction of having the largest patient density per million population, and we have overtaken sub-Saharan Africa. We had 2.2 million new cases last year in India and half a million deaths. And every fourth TB patient in the world is an Indian. Why is it happening to such an extent in India? It is happening because tuberculosis is a disease that spreads like wildfire. One patient infects 12 others in his lifetime. And people who live in overcrowded, unsanitary conditions, who are malnourished, who can transmit disease because they live in close proximity to a TB patient, they are the ones who are worst affected. So this is why it's so widespread in India, because the patients are not getting adequate treatment, and we are not able to attack the disease from all sides and contain it. Is your government committed to this program? Oh, yes. The Indian government is definitely committed and is doing a lot for the TB patients. Delhi itself has been divided into 15 zones, and each has a large free TB hospital with full facilities. Not only that, there are 150 diagnostic centers provided by the government where sputum testing is done free of cost for anybody who walks in. And these facilities, the 15 large hospitals and 150 diagnostic centers, are more than adequate to take care of the initial diagnosis and the initial workup by the physician. Now the problem lies when it comes to distributing the medicines. Medicines have to be distributed by the DOT centers as described by the WHO. DOTs being an acronym for directly observed therapy short course, which which lasts for seven months. Delhi itself has 560 centers, 300 run by the government and the other by non-profits. But these centers are few and far between. They open at an inconvenient time, say 10 to 1 p.m., and it's very difficult for patients who earn a dollar a day to spend half the amount on commuting and half the day on in going and getting the medicines and standing in line. So the problem lies not in the availability of diagnosis, physician's opinion, or the medicines. The problem lies just in having an effective place where the medicines can be given. Do you have any trouble with patients not returning? After all, we know that with anti-tuberculous treatment, patients often feel better within one to two months of treatment. 
Do you find this a problem with a patient feeling well and not wanting to take time off from work to come to the clinic? Yes, that's a very big problem. And this answers your previous question, Dr. Pickard, that why is tuberculosis spreading like wildfire? Because patients after, say, six weeks start feeling better. Then they do not want to spend their time and energy because the, the choice is between food and taking medicine. And they feel absolutely no reason why they should go and take the medicine after the first six weeks or maybe two months are over. So this is what happens, that the patient defaults, and drug default leads to disastrous consequences. Now, another reason is that there is such a lot of social stigma attached to tuberculosis that people have that ostrich kind of attitude. They don't want to accept that they have tuberculosis. And if they do accept and start the treatment, the sooner they put an end to it, the better it is for them, because that way people will not get to know that they are tuberculosis patients. You mentioned a disaster if you stop treatment. What is that disaster? The disaster is drug resistance. A drug-resistant patient infects 12 others with the same kind of drug-resistant disease. And in effect, he is doomed to die because the medicines are not available for free. From WHO, medicines cost the earth. It costs thousands of dollars in medicine alone to treat a drug-resistant patient. And most of the patients who live below the poverty line cannot afford that kind of treatment at all. You mean these patients are resistant to isoniazide and rifampin? Yes, they are resistant. And we cannot provide the medicines either through DOTS or Operation ASHA or the government because these medicines are not available for free from the WHO. The WHO is supporting tuberculosis in a big way, but with the first line of treatment. Why does the system that you're using actually in the long run save money? Our system is very effective because it saves money from day one of starting. We are having these tuberculosis treatment centers, the DOT centers, at maximum 20 minutes walk from the patient's doorsteps. So they are getting medicine at a convenient time, and we are using the volunteer system. So we are not paying for the premises. We are not paying the volunteers who are providing the medicines. We are using people in the community, social religious organizations, the churches, the temples, treated patients themselves who are highly motivated to help others, and also people who are doing some kind of social service to act as our volunteers to provide medicine. So this way we save a large amount of money. And not only that, these people provide medicine early in the morning and late in the evening. So no patient needs to miss his work in order to get his medicine. He can get the medicine at a time convenient to him before going to work or coming back from work. Now, the medicines are available for free from the WHO. So our leverage is 35 times. $1 goes a long way because $250 is otherwise the cost of medicine. And our total cost would have come to $350 to treat a patient, whereas we spend only about $10 to treat one patient. And our costs are very low indeed. If a patient is not compliant and does not return to your clinic, do you have some system to go to the patient's house or try to find them? Oh, yes, Dr. Pickard. That is a very, very important aspect of our work. We have our counselors who are employed by us, and these counselors not only meet the patient before the treatment is started, but also during the course of the treatment. And they explain the entire regime of treatment, the problem of default, and not only that, they tell the patient that if you miss your dose, you will infect your near and dear ones, your children, your spouse, and so on. And this ensures that they do come for treatment. But at the same time, what we have done, that our counselors are in charge 
of the dot centers. One counselor takes care of three dot centers, and every evening he goes to check how many patients were supposed to come and how many have not come. If a patient does not come for a medicine, the counselor goes to his house, explains the whole thing to him all over again, if necessary, brings him back to me for a personal interview, and then we convince him to get back into the system. And we feel that that counseling is a very, very important part of tuberculosis treatment. When the DOT system was used in the United States, some people actually encouraged patients to come back by small financial remunerations. Considering the cost of having a drug-resistant patient and what that will lead to, this expense didn't seem to be so great. Has this idea ever been considered in India? We have not considered financial remuneration, but what we are doing is that we are encouraging TB patients to come back to us by providing them with other facilities. And one of the other facilities we are offering are OTC drugs free of cost. We are keeping painkillers, cough syrups, antacids, and so on and so forth. And if any TB patient or any family member needs a medicine apart from TB medicines, they are encouraged to come and collect it from the volunteer. Not only that, we are providing nutritional supplements, low-cost proteins such as the peanut candy and uh, iron and calcium and protein biscuits whenever we can afford it or whenever a kind donor gives us some free protein supplements. We have not been able to give a financial incentive. Can you give me an idea? Who is supporting ASHA? How does ASHA get its medicines to stay open for this very important cause? Oh, ASHA has, been, has received an overwhelming support from practically everyone. It's individuals, foundations, pharmaceutical companies, corporations. Everyone has supported me. And a lot of people say this is God's work and we'll be willing to help you in every way possible. Now, pharmaceutical companies have helped us with medicines and our donors together helped us raise $100,000 within our first year of operations that was last year, both in India and in the U.S. combined. And uh, there is one U.S. foundation, Kapoor Foundation. They sent their India representative to see our work on the ground. And he was so overwhelmed that not only did they support us with funds, but they have also said, we will vouch for your authenticity and we will vouch for the genuine work that you are doing and your cost-effectiveness to other donors. Whenever required, you can call upon us. In the 1990s, New York had an epidemic of tuberculosis. Legal actions were taken for the patient who was not compliant. They were able to do this under our present Constitution and state laws. Patients were actually put into isolation and quarantined. Do you have any access to this type of action when your patient does not return? No, we are unfortunately not able to provide this kind of expensive treatment. We have absolutely, at least ASHA has no facilities for quarantine or isolation or barrier nursing of such a patient. So what we are doing is to leverage our dollar many times over by preventing this kind of treatment and with the help of effective counseling, we are trying to prevent a resistant case from taking place at all. Do you find that there's still a taboo among especially women to come for aid to your clinic? Uh, there is not a taboo in coming for aid once they have accepted they have tuberculosis. The taboo is that TB, tuberculosis itself is a social stigma. And as you have said, women are the ones who are a little frightened of disclosing the disease. It has been found that women have been deserted by their family members, their husbands, newly married women, because they have been found to have tuberculosis. 
people do believe that it's a deadly disease and this patient will die and kill the rest of the family members. There are young women who are afraid to tell people that they have tuberculosis and they do not want the neighbors and the family members to know because they will find it impossible to get married. And there are people who are thrown out of jobs if their employer gets to know that uh, they have tuberculosis. So there is very much a social stigma attached to it. And part of our job is overcoming the myths and superstitions regarding tuberculosis. Part of our trained counselor's job is to tell people that it is nothing to be feared. It is something that can be treated, provided you stick to the regimen provided. I want to thank Dr. Shelley Batra, who's been our guest today, and we've been discussing the treatment of tuberculosis through an organization called Operation ASHA. I am Dr. Maurice Pickard, and you've been listening to the Clinician's Roundtable on ReachMDXM, the channel for medical professionals. For comments and questions, send your emails to xm at reachmd.com. Thank you for listening.